Hey, it's great to be together. I know many, many people are home this morning um, with that flu bug that's going around, so I'm glad you don't have it. I'm glad I don't have it, even though I, had, I was introduced to several hundred people yesterday, so maybe uh, this week. So uh, anyways, you guys have a good Thanksgiving? All right, so I'm a foodie. I've been told that I'm a foodie. That's a person who loves food <laughs> and just loves the variety of food. And, 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 um, and so I want to ask the most unique menu item that you had in your Thanksgiving buffet. We had a buffet at our house, pretty much. It was massive food. Um, and so the most unique, I'm just curious. The most unique. It has nothing to do with the message this morning. I'm just curious. Yes, sir. Uh, in deference to the former pastor, we had vegan tofurkey. Yeah. Vegan tofurkey. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad it was uh, at your house and not mine. Okay. Well, we also had Okay, you had the other stuff. How did it taste? Did it taste? The gravy is what makes it. Did it taste like chicken? Okay. I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. Tastes like tofurkey. Okay. Anybody else besides my mom raising her hand? Okay. Bill. We had cranberry relish. Cranberry, orange, orange slices. Okay, cranberry relish. Okay, that sounds interesting. Do you realize that the cranberry sauce is the number one disliked item in Thanksgiving? Did you know that? Do you know the number two? Most disliked item for Thanksgiving is turkey. <laughs> I don't know. I heard it on the uh, I heard it on the radio. Everything on the radio is true. So, um, okay. Anybody over here, Karen? You raise your hand. Unique. Homemade pickled beets on Thanksgiving. Okay. I'm so glad you guys weren't at my house. That's. No, actually, I like pickled beets, so I'm learning to like them even more. Yes? We were at my granddaughter's very first hosting of, of Thanksgiving. Yes. Can you bear no home? And she served something I've never eaten before, which was um, cranberry, no, cornbread stuffing. Oh, cornbread stuffing. Oh, yeah, that's a southern thing. Okay, we're going to bounce back over here to my mom. Mom? Pearled creamed onions. Yeah, that was actually what I was going to talk about a little bit. Um, yeah, our Thanksgiving was fantastic. We had tons of food. We still have tons of food. Um, we had a very unique, so green bean casserole, anybody? Yes? The Hansons were like no on green bean casserole? Okay, no. So green, green bean casserole, normally crispy onions on top. This had sautéed onions. And they had tater tots on top. That was probably our most unique item. And I would just say it was delicious. It was fantastic. So it was all really good. It was all really good. Well, hey, we are. Uh, so my tradition, my old, I, I'm, I have new traditions beginning. We all have new traditions beginning. Uh, we're combining two households um, and starting new traditions. And one of them, for me, I would always set up Christmas the day after Thanksgiving. That means no Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. I was up at 7 a.m. on Thanksgiving morning, and we began our cooking adventure to Christmas music, because that's Heather's uh, tradition. So we... Uh, we listen to Christmas music almost all day in a very eclectic group of Christmas songs. Um, Roger Whitaker was probably the star of the playlist, but it was, it was very good. Um, as we step into, we're past Thanksgiving, um, even though we still have pumpkins and fall stuff out here in our, our hallway, we're going to be decorating for Christmas coming up soon. My prayer is that we're, just like we prayed about Thanksgiving, that we would come to our family gatherings with a new heart uh, for our family and our friends, a new heart to serve them, care for them, love them. 
And I pray that that would extend into Christmas. Christmas is a polarizing holiday for many people. People that love, love to be together, kind of the extroverts, they love Christmas. They love to be out shopping. They love to be out there doing this and doing that. The kind of the introvert people are like, I'd rather just stay home. I'll set up my little tree maybe. And I just want to, I just want to have a little tiny Christmas by myself. So I'm praying that as we step into this new holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, all that stuff. I will be the bearer of news this morning. I wasn't going to plan on sharing this, but I want to give you a head start. We're not even in December yet, but I want to give you a head start because I got an email this morning about our Christmas morning service here at RCC. There will not be one. Okay. So we're taking Sunday morning, Christmas morning, off this year so you can spend time with family and friends. So the traditions you have done with your family and friends um, will continue. We will have a New Year's morning service with three of you. <laughs> um, and we are going to spend that morning uh, in worship, and we're going to spend that morning in prayer. We're going to spend the whole service in prayer and praying for the different things that God's been putting on our hearts. Yes, sir. On um, New Year's, it certainly could be. It certainly could be. Some of you are wearing them now, uh, it looks like. Okay. So we are going to do that. Christmas doesn't happen on a Sunday very often, so, um, but th that's what we're going to do. We did that several years ago, and um, I love that tradition with Pastor Alex and Pam laid that out for us. Take the Sunday off and spend it with your family and friends. Yes. Alex, you're raising your hand. Yes, we are going to have a candlelight service, 5 p.m. this year. And so you can get home and spend it with your family and friends as well. So 5 p.m. candlelight service. I still need to make a phone call. And uh, anyways, I was, uh, I had the privilege. And I told you guys last week, for those of you who weren't last week, here last week, I was talking a little bit about Santa Claus. I was really anti-Santa. You can ask my son who's in the room. You might not recognize him because he's the bearded man these days. Um, we grew up with not, no Santa Claus in our house. We made it all about Jesus. And um, like I said last week, in a way that is good if I would have done it with the right heart. But I didn't do it with the right heart necessarily. I thought I was doing it with the right heart. And what the Lord revealed to me was I was doing it to be right. Jesus was right, but he didn't come to be right. He came to serve and sacrifice himself for us. And so I got the phone call. Hey, will you be Santa Claus in Renton? <laughs> and I showed up on a fire truck, 1948 fire truck. A few of you were there. It was fantastic. Um, I would say fantastic. No, that's not the word. Um, it was stretching. It was unique. Um, like I said, I was exposed to all kinds of bugs and germs when kids sat on my lap and adults sat on my lap. Uh, it was uh, two hours of wh a whirlwind, um, but just being able to love and care for and behind a beard and a glasses and a red suit to be praying for and sending blessing to these families who were really looking for hope and looking for peace for Christmas. And, um, and so I stepped out to do that. I was I was getting out of my car last Wednesday, so, you know, Thursday's the holiday, so I worked Wednesday and drove home, hit the store, which was you never go to Winco the day before Thanksgiving, but I did, and um, yeah, did that too, Costco, and uh, so getting out of my car, just wearing a flannel shirt in Wilkeson, Walking into the house, and I'm step, starting to step on my front porch, and a, fam, a mom and her two kids walking by. A three-year-old probably, and probably about a six-year-old girl. And the six-year-old girl goes, look, mom, Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so cute. Until I realized, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Do I look that old? I wasn't even wearing a red suit. I was wearing flannel. Um, but anyways, it was, as I, <laughs> as I was thinking about that, that is really my prayer for myself, but for us, that when people see us, they recognize there's something different. And the spirit of Christmas is really 
a spirit of peace. It is a spirit of hope. That Jesus came, and what did the angels say? Peace. You have found favor. And so, <laughs> whether it was a compliment or what, I, I take it as a compliment. That there's something that little girl sees, right? And so, that's what I want for us. I want when people see you, they really do see Jesus. His spirit flowing through you, that they experience peace. This girl would like locked eyes with me, and she, they're walking the other direction. She's just walking like this, <laughs> with the biggest smile on her face. It was a little unnerving at first, and I realized that's what Heather and I pray about over our house. That when people drive by our house, when people enter our house, they experience God's peace. They experience His hope, and they feel loved and cared for where they are at. And so, that's the beginning of our Christmas season. This is our last week in 2 Peter um, until the first of the year because we're going to do a Christmas series um, called It Was All Part of God's Plan. And, um, but we are going to be in 2 Peter today. Um, it's a great feel-good message. So for those of you that stayed home, good choice. Uh, no. Um, glad you're tuned in at home. And uh, we have people from all over uh, watching. We have Young lady in England watching this morning. Good morning. Well, actually, this evening in England and um, Alaska and Mexico, and it's, it's fun. And you guys are here, so grab your Bibles. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2. We open up in chapter 2 this morning. We finally made it through chapter 1. If you need a Bible, we are going to need our Bibles today. I just, I'm just going to say that front. Probably not going to be able to get everything what, what we planned, but you're going to need a Bible. So raise your hand if you need one. So as I was studying this week, as I was looking at this passage, the feel-good passage of the year, 2 Peter, yeah, you want to get your tail kicked, just read 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, and it was like, oh boy. Um, but as I was reading it, and I was literally holding it in my hands, I was thinking, you realize that we're holding Peter's final words to the church in our hands. This is one continuous rolling thought, 2 Peter, the whole pretty much the whole book, is one, I need you to know this stuff before I go. His thought, of course, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. So let's just read. But what I want to do, since it is a rolling thought, we're going to back up just a little bit to verse 20 in chapter 1. Because again, this is a rolling thought that Peter's, Peter's sharing. Because if I just pick up pick up on, but there were also, well, why is that there? Verse 20, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, through, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. But there are also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into dispute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Do we know the truth? The whole chapter of chapter 2 is Peter reminding the church, you need to know the truth. And here's the truth. Jesus is the truth. It's the Sunday school answer. Jesus is the truth. Jesus himself said, I am the way. You want to know how to get to the Father? You want to have eternal life? Who they're all, you know, you want to have eternal life? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus said in John chapter 14. Like I said, these are Peter's last thoughts, but they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he tells us that we need to be careful because there will be false prophets. There'll be false teachers that come among you. I like to say there's going to be fake news. 
Because fake news is the thing right now, right? Now, old school fake news, before we carried it around with us, I don't even have it on me. I was thinking my phone. Um, remember when you stood in the grocery store line and you had the magazines that were fake news? The tabloids? They're actually still there. I looked the other day. I was like, wow, those are still there. And I didn't know Tom Cruise was, was an alien. Okay. <laughs> But apparently, according to the National Enquirer, okay, or according to People Magazine, or according to, remember, TV Guide? Do you guys remember TV Guide? Yes. There's a little book about that big, and it had like everything that was on TV, because there's only four stations. Now TV Guide is an encyclopedia set. Um, a lot of fake news out there. And so how do you decipher, like, what is going on? I mean, Heather and I were even looking this morning at our weather apps on our phone. And her said it's going to be 13 degrees on Thursday. Mine said it's going to be 21 degrees on Thursday. And I was like, well, maybe your side of the house is going to be really cold because where I'm at, I'm 21 <laughs> degrees. You know, it's hard to find and hard to distinguish what is real even out there. But Peter's message here is that there's even fake news in the church. Now we got to be careful. We got to be careful. So he says that many will follow this fake news. They'll follow the the teachings. So what I want to do is I just want to get into some of the basics uh, this morning. Some of the basic stuff. The Bible is inerrant, infallible, and inspired by God Himself. I was taking a class not just recently, and one of the pastors that was leading the class said, yeah, I was sharing the other day at church, and I said, we are Foursquare, and a bunch of my people came up to me afterwards and says, what is Foursquare? We are a Foursquare church, so I want to just let you know, we are a Foursquare church. That's a denomination. I would say we're the laid-back Assembly of God people. Okay. All right. We're pretty, you know, pretty much believe the same thing they believe. There's a few little tweaks and differences um, when it comes to salvation and, and all that stuff like that and the speaking in tongues and, and all that type of stuff. But we are a four-square church. We believe that Jesus is the same. As we read him in the scriptures about him, he is the same today as he was then. But we also believe that he's going to be the same tomorrow. That should be good news. That's hopeful. Because when I read the Gospels of Jesus in here, it brings me hope. And when I experience him today, that brings me hope. And so then my hope is tomorrow he's going to be the same. And as a four-square church, we believe that he is our Savior. We believe that he's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We believe that he's our healer. And we believe that he is coming back. That last one, (laughs) that he's coming back, that seems to be illuminating as we read the stuff that we're reading right now in whatever news that we're reading. As a four-square movement, we also have a declaration of faith. It's just a small read if you're ever interested. It's about 16 pages. I made about 10 copies if anybody wants it. This is a, this is a nice, light Sunday afternoon read if you're not going to watch the Seahawks game today against the Raiders. Um, all backed up with Scripture. Um, but I made copies intentionally because what Peter's talking about here is we need to know the truth. And we have some people that have gone before us who have helped us decipher the truth. And they've categorized it a little bit. And the very number one topic, not number one topic, the very first one on the list is what does Foursquare believe about the Holy Scriptures? What does Foursquare believe about the Bible? So I know you came to church to hear me read this morning. Um, It's like nails on a chalkboard, I know. But we believe, as a four-square movement, that the Holy Bible is the word of the living God, true, immutable, steadfast, unchangeable. As its author, the Lord Jehovah, that is what was written by the holy men of old as they were moved upon by the, and inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it is a lighted lamp to guide the feet of a lost world from the depths of sin and sorrow, 
to the heights of righteousness and glory, an unclouded mirror that reveals the face of a crucified Savior, a plumb line to make straight the life of each individual and community, a sharp two-edged sword to convict of sin and evil doing, a strong cord of love and tenderness to draw the penitents to Christ Jesus, a balm of Gilead and breathed by the Holy Spirit that can heal and quicken each drooping heart, the only true ground of Christian fellowship and unity, the loving call of an infinitely loving God, the solemn warning, the distant thunder of a storm of wrath and retribution that shall overtake the unheeding, a signpost that points to heaven, a danger signal that warns from hell, the divine, supreme, and eternal tribunal by whose standard all men, nations, creeds, and motives shall be tried. I should get a copy of this. I'll make, we'll make more. This is powerful stuff. This is the word of God. And Peter is saying we need to know this word because there will be people that will come that will deceitfully try to bring in lies, heresies. Important that we know the truth. So when those heresies, those lies do show up, it's easy for us to identify. And it's easy for us to discard those things. I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Um, Gretchen, my stepmom, who's in the house, um, used to work at a bank. And um, as part of her bank uh, experience, um, counterfeit would show up. But they never studied counterfeit money because there's a lot of different counterfeit money. I can print money on our copy machine. It looks actually pretty real. Not that I've... Uh, uh, I have done it just to see because I've used it as an illustration, but I've changed it enough where I didn't get in trouble by the feds, right? Um, but they didn't study counterfeit. What they studied was the real thing. Held it, looked at it, observed it, felt it. And so when they're... Counting money and stuff, oh, that one doesn't feel right. You know, hold it up to the light now. Have the little pin you mark on it just to confirm, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. When we're hearing things that don't line up with his word, we need to pay attention and we need to identify it. And if it does not line up with his word, what do we do with it? We discard it. Now, we don't discard the people. Maybe some people, have, this is just what they know, this is what they've been taught, so then you, we come alongside. And that's where the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We work together to make the word of God the center, right? My opinion does not matter. God's opinion through his word is what matters. We need to be careful because false teachers will come. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Normally, we'd either put these up on the screen or i just read them to you. There's a couple of them this morning. I just want us to be able to turn to Matthew chapter 7, the first book in the New Testament. I'm turning it with you. And we're in verses 15 through 19. This is Jesus speaking. Page 832 if you've got a church Bible. Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is Jesus talking about people in his church. Not naming names, but you can look around and see, not in this room, of course, but you can look around and see, man, that person's doesn't, life does not line up with what, they're, what the words are coming out of their mouth. That's really important. And you can be as eloquent as you can. They can talk about Jesus all they want, but if their life doesn't line up with what they're speaking, there's something wrong. So Jesus says, be careful. Paul talking to 
um, the Christians there in Corinth, and there was this group of people that had come in, false teachers that had come in and were saying that Jesus is not enough, that you can't come to God just by coming through Jesus. You have to, like, work for your salvation. And this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15. For such people are false prophets, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then if his servants are also are masquerading as servants of the righteous. Their end will be what their actions deserve. I think we have it messed up a little bit on how we view the enemy. He doesn't have a red suit and horns. He masquerades as truth. He masquerades as an angel of light. And so we need to know the truth. And when we do know the truth, what does it do? It sets us free. Jesus warned us of fake prophets, fake messiahs in Matthew chapter 24. He says, For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Jesus says, So I've told you this ahead of time. There will be people that will come that will do all kinds of miraculous things, say incredible things, but they're not from him. And Jesus said, we have to be careful because it will even deceive those who I have chosen, right? Those who are following me will be led astray by these miraculous things. So we need to make sure that the words that are coming out of their mouths and their actions and their lives line up with the word of God. We have one shepherd, one Messiah, one Savior and King, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus was speaking again in John, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I mean, I read all these scriptures and I'm studying. It's like, man, Lord, the words that come out of my mouth, I want to make sure they're right. And the words that are coming out of my mouth, I want to make sure they're true. I want to make sure I'm hearing from you. Because as we read some of these scriptures, sometimes it's a little scary. Like, I've done, I've been praying, for, I've prayed for people, I've seen people healed. Not all the time, very rarely actually. Seen the demonic moved out of somebody. Actually, I made eye contact with Mitch. Not Mitch. Uh, but Mitch and I, I remember, we were on a mission trip praying, and we saw that happen. Dana and I were on a mission trip, we were praying for somebody, we saw that happen. Um, so when I read those scriptures, like, God, I want to make sure I hear you, that what I hear is right. And so the assurance of John chapter 10, when Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And so the assurance of his assurance for us this morning who follow him is like, we will know him. We will know his voice. There are a lot of voices out there, a lot of voices calling our names. Will we know his voice? I saw a video um, years ago of a, uh, he was a shepherd, but he also had uh, a bunch of sheepdogs, well-trained. Have you ever seen well-trained sheepdogs do what they do as far as herding and gathering and corralling and all that stuff? And he stood at the gate. It was time for them to eat. Have you ever fed a dog? <laughs> My grand dog. If you, <laughs> we're auctioning off our grand dog. His name is Oakley. He is the most loving, caring dog in the world. His weakness, food. You put food down, that dog, it's gone in seconds. You leave anything on the counter, gone. Um, it's, it's a nightmare uh, with that dog. Yeah. Steals it right out of the baby's hands. Um, and so, yeah, that dog. So when you feed a dog, you know. So, but this shepherd is feeding. It's feeding time for his sheepdogs. He has like 10 or 12 of them in a pen. They're all like lined up. They see the food. They're ready to go. But he calls each one of them by name. And when he calls them by name, they run out of the gate and run to their food. I mean, most dogs would just 
jump over the fence, we're gone, we're eating. But these dogs so well trained to hear their shepherd's voice. One at a time, go. It's, it was such, such an inspirational thing to watch. We have one shepherd, one Messiah, one Savior, and his name is Jesus. He says that we will know him. We will know his voice. As we read in Peter here, Peter says that there will be destructive heresies that come our way. Lies that will distract us from really following Jesus. And he covers a couple of them in this. In this. He's, the first one that is questioned is the sovereignty of God. That's a big topic. Not covered in the 16 pages uh, in the Foursquare Manual. Sovereignty of God is a big topic. I don't think any major Christian denomination denies the power and sovereignty of God when it comes to He is all-powerful, He is omniscient, He's He's everywhere. The part we start to kind of struggle with is how involved is he as far as human will comes. comes. Some believe that he controls everything, 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 or that he leaves a little room for free will. There's a great website. I don't agree with everything they have to say, um, but it's written by people who have doctorates in their theology. It's called gotquestions.org. I just gave you away one of my biggest secrets. Um, fantastic website. You ever have questions? I mean, ask the hard questions even. You have theologians who've come together and um, have really tackled these. And so they've talked about the sovereignty of God. Again, I want to read you, read to you this morning. God has the ability to do anything. Again, talking about the sovereignty of God. To take action and intervene in any situation but often sometimes chooses to act indirectly or to allow certain things, for his, certain things to happen for reasons of his own. His will is furthered in any case. God's sovereignty means that he is absolute in authority and unrestricted in his supremacy. Everything that happens is, at the very least, a result of his permissive will. This holds true even if certain specific things are not what he would prefer. The right of God to allow mankind's free choices is just as necessary for true sovereignty as his ability to enact his will wherever and however he chooses. We believe that God is sovereign, that he's in charge, he's in control. I applied for this job, not me, but my, I'm speaking for somebody else. I applied for this job. Man, I want this job. I didn't get the job. So my response to them is not part of God's plan for you right now. Because it's God's sovereignty. He is looking over us. He has the bigger picture in mind. We cannot see two seconds ahead of where we're at right now. But God can see us. He has a plan for us. He has a perfect plan for us. Now, do we sometimes thwart? That's when we, man, this is, to me, this is fun topics. Because can we thwart that? Yeah, I can make, choose, make really bad decisions. Is that, God's, is that really God's heart for me, to go out and make really bad decisions? Oh, it's just the sovereignty of God. I got 20 speeding tickets this week because I was driving my son's Jeep Cherokee with a V8. It's awesome. Okay. No, that's not God's will for me to go out and get a bunch of tickets, but he's given me free will. Now, will he work in my life through those things? Yeah, there's consequences. I will stand before a judge with 20 tickets, but will his grace be with me? Absolutely. Will he forgive me if I ask? Absolutely. Will he be with me in my jail cell? Absolutely. <laughs> will he provide the funds to pay the ticket? Yeah. I'm not going to say absolutely. <laughs> There's times when we, I believe that we thwart God's plan, his perfect plan. But God knows. He's a God of grace. He's a God of compassion and mercy. He's the one that made us. He chose to make us, even looking ahead and said, they're going to mess up. Man, the first brothers are going to mess up. 
they're just going to really mess up. I'm going to have to start over. And then they're still going to mess up. I'm going to set up all this, these plans for them because I have a picture of what those plans, the sacrificial system, what that's going to look like when my son comes because I'm going to say it's done, it's finished with him. It's important we know these things. So Peter is saying they will question the sovereignty of God. I have all kinds of verses to read about that. Let me just read a couple of them. Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. I love that one. Because when I have a question like, yeah, He is God. He is all-powerful. He's in charge. Romans eleven thirty-three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of our God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purposes are what prevail. And Revelation 4.11, You are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by you, by your will, they were created and have their being. God is in charge. That's good news. Whenever someone comes alongside and starts questioning the sovereignty of God and they go, oh, God's not really, no, that doesn't line up with the word of God. In verse 2, actually still in verse 1, Peter's just talking about here and he says, even denying the sovereign Lord, so that's the first one, who bought them. Just that one word, bought. That's something that will be questioned. That will be one of those heresies. Again, you cannot have a free gift. Salvation isn't free. You have to work for it. Every other, I would, I'll just say it, religion in the world, you have to work for your salvation. It is not a free gift. That's the amazing thing about Jesus, is he came. Every other religion, you have to come. You have to go. You have to do. But Jesus came knowing that we don't have it in us. So Jesus came to make it right. Jesus came, and the Bible says that he purchased us with his blood. And we don't like to talk about the blood. But that's what washes away our sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Paul talking to the Corinthians says, You know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Wow. We are not our own. We have been bought. We have been purchased with the price of Jesus' life. Salvation to us is free. But it wasn't free for God. It cost him his son. Verse 2 says, many will follow these deceitful ways. Why will they follow these deceitful ways? Because they do not know the truth. I mean, the sad thing for many of us in the church is very few of us read our Bibles. Well, the pastor reads his Bible for me. I mean, I'm being real right now. I'll just tell you, I don't read the Bible for you. <laughs> I don't like to read. I read the Bible to grow close to him. Yeah, maybe as I study, it's for you. Sure. But wouldn't you much rather eat with a fork than just with a spoon your whole life? That's why purposely I don't put up Scripture verses very rarely up here. I do that with intention, not because I'm lazy. Because I want you to be able to turn to, oh, he's in Second Peter. I can turn to Second Peter. Oh, he's in Matthew. I can turn to Matthew. Oh, I just turned to Second Corinthians. Oh, I know where Second Corinthians is. It's right after First Corinthians. Okay? Right? We're not going to talk about the small prophets in the Old Testament because those are tough. I have to do this too once in a while. Like, 
You ever go to a conference and they say, hey, we're in Micah 3 this tonight, and you're like, uh, all right, Micah 3. It's so funny, all the pastors are up here with their Bibles, and then Micah 3, you're like, <laughs> you know, anyways. Are we reading his word? Are we spending time with him? I'm not saying quit your job and bury yourself into, into his book. Well, maybe. That's what he had me do. <laughs> but we need to be reading his word. As followers of Jesus, we need to know what he has to say. I was having a conversation this week and watched this movie, uh, a really popular movie right now. It's about a psychologist of a, a famous actor right now. And there's some really cool truth in that, I'll just say. But it was interesting to, to watch that from, with the perspective of knowing Jesus and knowing that we need to know the truth because when we know Jesus, he really does set us free from ourselves. And one of the biggest points in this movie was that we need to take action steps as human beings. He wasn't coming from a person of faith, but he wasn't one of those psychiatrists that were just say, just sat there with his pen, pen and pencil and says, tell me how you feel today. And then just write it down like, all right, give me $300 and go home, see you next week. This guy was an action guy, so he would actually give people steps, like, this is what you need to do. And I was having a conversation with somebody that we were watching the movie with, and what I said was, you know the cool thing about the Bible is the Gospels are kind of the storyline of this is who Jesus is and was and is today, right? Acts is a history book of how the church, how did we respond to the message of Jesus, and how did we get to where we're at now as the church? It's the history, how the gospel spread throughout the earth. And then from there, Romans, until right before Revelation, right, is action steps for us as believers. It just gave me a whole new perspective of God has spoken to us through his word, are we taking those action steps by reading them and applying them to our life? Not just listening to them once in a while, but actually taking action steps ourselves in his word. Isaiah says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Peter was saying, hey, there are going to be some clever people that come your way. That will have some really, what you think might be really insightful things to, have to say. That will use the word of God, but will twist it. Well, I'm just going to tell you that we have a great example of that in the scriptures. The enemy himself uses the word of God and then just twists it. Did God really say you will die if you eat this fruit? And what was her response? Yeah, if we eat it or touch it. So she was confused. Eve was confused because God says just don't eat it. He didn't say you can't touch it. Now, I would say if God says don't do that, just stay away from it. I don't need to be touching it feeling it, like smelling it. I just need to stay away. When Jesus was tempted those three times while he was fasting, what did the enemy use? Buddhism? No. The Book of Mormon? The Book of Koran? No. He used the words of God. And Jesus said, no, that's way out of context. That doesn't even make sense. That's not the heartbeat. Here's the funny thing is, it's his spirit that wrote this book. Jesus knows this book. And the enemy was just like, oh, what if you do this? And he was like, no, that's true. Just get away from me. Just get away from me is what Jesus said. But the enemy will use the word of God to even twist. And we can even like, ah, oh, I guess that, that kind of makes sense. But we need to be in fellowship to make sure like, no, it doesn't make sense. Because sometimes we'll take this word and we'll just, it's like a wheelbarrow. We'll just push it wherever we want it to go. And that's why we need to be in fellowship. Like, no. That's why sometimes you see the, the guy living on the mountain way out there. Well, he's a believer, but he's way out there. Not just 
proximity-wise, but theologically-wise, he's way out there. Because he has nobody to read this word with and to, and to make sure that, am I, my checks and balances, am I right here? I mean, even the, even, like, even the white supremacists use this book to justify their actions against people of, of different race, color, whatever. It's important we know this book. Woe to those, is what Isaiah says. I think we see that today. Good is being called evil. And evil is actually praised and publicized. The normal is not normal anymore. Peter reminds us all throughout chapter 2 that God will have the final say. And as we step into the rest of chapter 2, it's pretty much just about judgment. So that's why we're putting it off to the first of the year. It really is. And for me, it's actually assuring because I look at the world and say, man, this place is broken. God, are you going to do something about it? God has done something about it. So are we going to do something about it as his children? Are we going to walk alongside people? Are we willing to lay our stuff down? Are you willing to get in a red suit and spend three hours with kids literally screaming, crying on your lap, <laughs> and don't want to even be close to you. Some of them did. I had one towards the very end yet last night. This one little girl wearing this little white coat. She's just as precious as it could be, probably about seven years old. She comes running, literally running up to me. And she said, Santa, the only thing I want for Christmas this year, and I was waiting for, you know, the, the, the list, she said, I just want a hug. Like, I can do that. So I gave her a big hug, you know, make sure parents are okay, and I don't want to be creepy Santa, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. So give her a big hug, whisper, God bless you. And then let her go. And I just felt the Lord say, you need to give her another one. I said, you know what? This year, you're going to get two hugs. And so she just jumped right back in. Are we willing to step out of where we are, where we're comfortable? I don't want to be the one to say that. They might make fun of me. The driver of the truck, the fire truck, happened to be one of my softball guys. I've known him and played with him for 10 years. We didn't know, he didn't know I was going to be Santa. I didn't know he was going to be driving the truck. Did he make fun of me? 100%. <laughs> It didn't matter. He did thank me at the end. I, hey, thanks for doing this for our community. Man, are we willing to step out and say, I want to be Jesus to people? Even if it costs me my pride, even if it costs me whatever, I'm willing to do that because I want them to know the truth like I know the truth. It's really important that we know the truth. And so my question for us today is, do you know the truth? Do we know the truth? For those of you watching at home, do you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? No one. If we want to go to heaven, which I have never talked to anybody that really doesn't want to. I've had people say, oh, man, I'm going to hell, and I'm going to party with all my friends. I've had people tell me that. And then I'll have a continued conversation. Well, you know what? Hell is described like in the Bible. You know what hell is? They had no idea. And they're like, I guess I don't really want to go there because there won't be friends there. It's isolation. It's dark. It's forever fire. It's like worms. It's horrible. It's horrible. And why would we want anybody to go there? Well, we know the truth, church. We should be the ones saying, hey, you don't want to go there. You need to go here. But it will cost us something. I look around the room this morning as people were coming in. I was praying for us as a church as I was back there. I love running sound. That's my favorite job in the church. I just love being behind the scenes, moving buttons. Um, and I was like, you know what? In our church. And I think some pastors would look at that and be discouraged Nothing against us with gray hair, because I have gray hair, a lot of gray hair. After all, I'm Father Christmas, you know. 
according to my neighborhood. But what I felt the Lord say this morning is, I've called you guys to be here together, to be my church. And as older ones, you need to pray for the younger ones. You know how many families that live around us? Thousands of kids go to school right across the street and right across the street. We have a lot of families in our area. How can we, as older ones, there's some younger ones in here, some awesome younger ones in here, and watching from home, I know. How can we, as older ones, reach our community and love them and care for them and tell them about the good news of Jesus? I want us to pray about that as a church. I really do. For those of us that have gray hairs or have gray hairs that are covered up, I want us to pray about that as a church. God, I want us to be that for our community. I really do. So let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you that you have given us your word. It is infallible. It is your word. It is your truth. So much fake news out there today, God. I pray that your truth would prevail, that your voice would be the one that is heard by those who are in this room, by those who are watching from home, but also for our community, our neighbors, our friends, our workplaces. Lord, I believe that you're putting people on our hearts this morning, a neighbor, a co-worker, someone we encounter at the store on a weekly, even some, some of us a daily basis. Yeah, we lift them up to you. We pray that they would know the truth. They would know you, Jesus. God, I thank you that you watch over us, that you care for us. God, we thank you for your sovereignty over us. You are the ruler of all. Pray this week as we read your word, God, that it'd be your voice that we hear. Pray that your spirit would lead us and guide us, that we would be people of compassion this week. As we step into the Christmas season, that we would be the ones who would bring peace. Obviously, God, you working through us, but we would be bearers of your peace, of hope, of love this year. In Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. If you're interested in the Declaration of Faith by the uh, Foursquare Church, um, come and see me. I have a manual for you.